Hello and welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sales podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. You always do that. I guess I get so confused. Um, and we're back we're after the back. holidays. We had a bit of a situation where I was stranded for a while. Yeah. In Seattle, but now I'm back in New York. And we're ready to go. We're and ready to go. Um, I hope everybody had a good Happy New Year and mm-hmm. uh, break if you got one of those. Um, I, I got two black sales t-shirts for, yes. for the for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I successfully converted both my dad and brother yeah. to watchers of the show. Yeah. Like enthusiastic watchers, too. Yeah. My parents have finished it yeah. since first... Yeah, my parents have just sped through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that's and now great. your brother's watching it. And now my brother's watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just a very successful holiday season all around. Yeah, we're really proud of ourselves. Yeah, we're really we're back and ready to. I keep talking about the show, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and keep watching it because it just gets better and better. Yeah, it really does. We're here to talk about season two, episode four, episode twelve. I. I don't know. It doesn't matter anymore. I don't keep track of those. Um, so do you want to start off with a recap or is there anything else? I do. Okay, great. Um, Abigail awakes and she eats some super gross bread. And Vane <laughs> receives Flint's terms and he questions Eleanor's loyalty. Hornigold proposes an attack plan while Flint questions the cost. We check in with our threesome who are somewhat wary of each other and Jack hears about Flint's warship. Eleanor tries to negotiate with Flint, and he hears how the beach has turned against him. Vane puts his ransom plan into motion with Abigail. Silver and Flint have a heart-to-heart before Silver heads to the beach to try and sway popular opinion. Flashback, we see Hamilton presenting his plan to pardon all of the pirates to Flint, who thinks it will never work. Meanwhile, Silver finds Billy on the beach, and he squirrels him away. Eleanor tries to get Miranda's help and instead winds up insulting her. At the brothel, Max enlists Adele's help to recruit a Mr. Featherstone and his crew. Anne asks Jack to help her in Max's bed because she knows she's in danger. Max is is successful in securing them a new crew. Flashback to dinner with Mr. Hamilton, which does not go well. The pastor visits Miranda and she finds out about Abigail Ash. Then in a flashback, we learn that Lord Ash was one of the Hamilton's few friends and supporters of the pardon. Eleanor's dad returns to help her, question mark. Flint asks Mr. Scott for advice, but he ends up ignoring him when he tells the crew to fire on the fort. Wow. Done the done. Those recaps are getting really wordy. Verbose? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, a lot's happening. (laughs) Yeah, that's a little much. I know. Maybe I should cut down. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a helpful reminder, I think. Yeah. Um, so maybe before we dive into any specific things, something I kept writing down mm-hmm. was this episode is really beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. Like, there are some, like, the shot, I mean, just the ending shot, too, of the fortress coming up, or the, or the fort on the horizon mm-hmm. as the sun comes up. Um just really beautiful. But then even beyond that, there were just shots of the water and of Nassau and the uh, really beautiful stuff in this episode. Yeah. That is, it just, uh, one of the things that made me think about was how they were really kind of living in a paradise. Yeah. Like it's beautiful there and they're just like surrounded by so much violence and chaos. And that's like one of the, I mean, it's one of the, I don't think it's one of the themes of the show that they live in paradise, but like they live in a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, and all the pirates that are not concerned with things that like Flint and Vane and Eleanor are concerned with are like living the life in paradise. Yeah. Um, it's just a thing that I don't, I I forget sometimes, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah. Anyway, so what do you want to talk about first? Uh, you want to talk about Eleanor? Sure, your girl, your girl, your girl. Girl. Although I'm not very happy with her this episode. No, she does not do well. But I think it's because she's she's not good at negotiating. Yeah, that that's really bad though because I know. <laughs> like that's a really bad flaw. I know. <laughs> it's not like oh she's great except she's good at negotiating. The show is selling us on the idea that she's gotten this far through her shrewd negotiation skills. 
I, well, is it that or has she just gotten far because she's been like, this is the deal. And if you don't like it, you can fuck off. Yeah, maybe that. But I don't know. I just, I just think that she's not the same Eleanor that we saw in season one. Like, she's just not the visionary that Flint is when, like, the very end of season one made her me feel like she was one of the major forces of looking to the future on the island mm-hmm. and, like, sticking with Vane and... I mean, if I was Eleanor right now, I would think that I could convince Vane to let Flint bring in the treasure. Uh, is that what she's doing, though? I mean, she's starting up a relationship with him again, and she's already a partner with him. So I'm just thinking, if I'm her, I think I would be mad at Flint because I would just be like, you didn't even talk to me about this. Why didn't you just go get the treasure and like let me deal with this here? Like, I think it's a betrayal of trust. Yeah. On Flint's part to her. And now that Flint has made this stance, she knows that neither one of them can back out of it. Yeah. But now, yeah, exactly. And but then, the best thing for Nassau is to have a fort. Yeah. So that, therefore, Flint needs to be the one to leave. Yeah. And Flint's not going to do that. I think it's like what Mr. Scott says. Yes, her judgment is clouded when it comes to Vane. But that doesn't mean she's wrong. Mm. Yeah. That Mr. Scott scene at the end with Flint was really good. It's really good. Um. Yeah, like the little preamble that Flint gave before they he said, "What do you, what do you think?" Where he was like, "You're the one who's been standing behind all the people who have really been yeah. controlling NASA." Um, was really good, and also, I think the show's first acknowledgement. I think it's like been acknowledged by the characters, maybe, and maybe you can't help but notice it as a viewer. But it's the first time that I think the show is saying, "Mr. Scott is a great leader." Yeah. He, he has... He, and yeah. that Mr. Scott is necessary yeah. as a partner to Eleanor. Yeah. Like, she is kind of spiraling out of control in some ways. I mean, yes. Okay, so now that we're on this trail... Yeah. Mr. Scott leaves Eleanor at the end of season one. Yeah. And she goes crazy. Well... She doesn't go crazy. That, that She goes off... Things get out of hand. Things get out of hand. And she doesn't have someone to temper her. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she needs anyone to temper her. She needs Mr. Scott. Yeah. She needs someone to bounce ideas off of and to, like, right, get but, advice and have a, a level head respond to her. But that's, um, yeah, exactly, a level head. Because she's seeing, she thinks she's getting that in Flint and in Vane. Uh, no. And she's not. No. She needs it for Mr. Scott. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because Flint and Vane both have their own motives. They're both captains of crews, and they have people to answer to. Mr. Scott doesn't really have anyone to answer to. He can be, like, a very fair voice of reason. Well, Mr. Scott also comes from... We don't know a lot about his story. Right. But we know that he comes from this place of, like, not really caring about the little stuff. Like, he's in it for the long game, yeah, kind yeah. of. Like, he... He, uh, he is a big picture guy. Yeah, he, more than anybody else, is, like, thinking about the bigger picture, it seems. Yeah. And, and like, even more than Flint, because mm-hmm. Flint is, like, also kind of crazy in his worldview and in his mm-hmm. ambitions. But Mr. Scott is the one, and, like, as said in that speech at the end there, th- where he sort of, like, recognizes the inevitab- inevitability of the world and, like... Yeah. What you can do to prepare for those, for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, we were talking about Eleanor. <laughs> um, is there anything else about Eleanor and um, in her relationship with Vane and Flint in this episode? I mean, I guess we're, we're pretty sure that, like, her loyalty is with Vane at this point, right? I think so. Yeah. Because there's a moment in Flint's cabin where she's like, I didn't help Vane. And then we see her later on the beach, and she clearly is helping Vane. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame because um, I had forgotten this part of the show, especially when we were talking about the end of season one and how they're like, the gold is right there. Like, Mm -hmm. the gold is, might be a MacGuffin, 
but like it's real and it's just sitting there. Yeah. And and then now season two is sort of like also about going to get the gold. It does feel yeah. a little bit like when we were talking a lot and when we talk to people about the show, we talk about its tight plotting. Like it makes sense, but it does feel a little like we've gone backwards that all of a sudden Flint is embroiled in this conflict over Nassau when like he hasn't really yet accomplished his original goal. Right. I do remember at first feeling slowed down by that, but I think now I actually appreciate it more because it feels, I guess, more realistic. Hmm. Like it's, it's just a really fleshed out plot that it's, it's clearly gives so many people motivation, but also it's not, it's not just a simple treasure hunt. Like the, this isn't like anything else these people have ever encountered and stretching this plot over two seasons, I think, really raises the stakes of what this treasure means and why it's different from any other prize anybody has ever hunted. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think that season two is doing is, like, season two is taking a step back and, and being about Nassau. And yeah. being about, like, it, we're seeing this in the plot with Flint and Hamilton and mm-hmm. every discussion they have about Nassau and Ned... Uh, Ned's introduction to Nassau and Vane, where it's just like Flint can go off and pull off this uh, crazy plan, this crazy heist, basically, for the gold. But at its core, Nassau is a chaos. Mm -hmm. It's just he's bringing it... There's nowhere to bring it back to. And I I get that that's literally the plot of season two. Um, And in some ways, it feels like a slowing down of the story to me, but I guess in other ways, it's very important that it's established that there is no certainty in Nassau and there's yeah. no certainty in, in any home at all for the pirates. Right. Because w- everything you were just saying about the gold is like, yeah, I kind of feel that, but has the show really given you the impression that the gold would really change any of this? It's only showing how really how it could make things worse. I mean, I think it's the sense that the gold would change it as soon as Nassau is stable enough to be changed. Right. Like when Flint left the first time, the gold would have changed everything. But when he left, it's not like some outside force came in and disrupted everything. Like, it wasn't Ned. It was Vane. Vane right. was a pirate of Nassau. Well, and it was Richard Guthrie being arrested. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. That's way back in episode one. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's a good point. I just think about how if you were really going to find... You know, we're thinking about this plot where Thomas, where Thomas and... Flint or mm-hmm. and James are talking about this crazy plan to pardon all the pirates. Um, and then you come back to this plot. I can't tell if you're supposed to think, oh, that that's the only path forward. Or if you're also thinking like, Vane would never, Vane would never accept a pardon. This current Flint would never accept a pardon. Oh, I see what you mean. Like that, that it's not fixable. Like these people need to die. Um, and also, I'm trying to remember now, isn't there, like, the the big scene, emotional climax between Flint and Miranda at the end of season one is when he said, I don't want them to pardon me, I want them to apologize to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think that's Flint's plan anymore. No, I know. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely deliberate. Yeah. It's definitely deliberate. The plot is showing I us this thing it's about... it's a contrast. Right. It, yeah. Like, how did this man... Right. ...who suddenly started believing in this cause become this man... Exactly. ...who, um... But I think you're also right that we're sort of seeing how difficult that plan would actually be... Right. ...to put into place. Like, that, like we see sort of Hamilton's idealism. Right. Well, and how Flint, or and James bought into it. Yeah. By the end. Yeah. Or by the point that we're at in the story. Yeah. Um, okay, we're all over the place. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, uh, what about Eleanor's conversation with Miranda? She's just rude. She's real rude. It's a good thing Miranda kicks her out of the house. Yeah, Miranda kicks butt. Yeah. I mean, I get where Eleanor's coming from, where she's desperate, and she thinks that Miranda's going to want to keep Flint out of this fight. That's like sort of a logical thing to think, but she's just, she's so abrasive and it's just another negotiation. Yeah. And she fails at it. Well, and she really fails because of the same, she just still doesn't understand who Miranda is. Right. But 
I mean, who Either does? Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What are the, uh, the thing that Miranda says? Oh, if you believe anyone can make Flint see anything, you don't know him. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting line to come from Miranda. Yeah. Knowing how we can already see that Silver has sort of slithered his way into Flint's mind. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's not like nested inside of Flint's mind, but we know that like sharing things. with Right. We know that Silver seems to have cracked something. Yeah. Well, Well, actually, have we seen Silver convince Flint to do something that Flint didn't already want to do? No. But I think that we've seen Silver gain an understanding of Flint that he did not mean for him to gain. Yeah. But if, but Miranda's statement here is that if Flint is Convincing. believes something, yeah. no, we haven't you cannot change his that. belief. No. Silver hasn't changed his belief. Nobody's changed his belief. Even Gates couldn't do that. No. He okay. killed Gates because he couldn't change his belief. Yep. So, okay, so I said that thing about Silver, but, but it's not true. Well, I think it's it's interesting, though. I think it's also interesting to compare Miranda and the flashbacks to Miranda today. Because in the flashbacks, she also clearly, like, believes in her husband's um, idea of the pardon and believes that he's a great man and has a good, good man. And now we see her trying to secure a pardon for Flint. Mm-hmm. Like, she still believes in that. Maybe not for everybody, but she believes in that for Flint. And she thinks that that could be a way to get out. You're referring to her plan her in season one. Yeah. yeah. Her letter to the judge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm also thinking about those flashbacks and how James McGraw seems much more impressionable than Captain Flint. Yeah. Like, James McGraw has has changed his opinion yeah. a few times on uh-huh. in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that she says that thing about, like, you don't know him. Yeah. When, like, we've gone back and seen young him, and young him was incredibly impressionable. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and we've also seen her in the flashbacks kind of talk about how much she dislikes society. Mm-hmm. And all of the, like, gossip and the rules and the shame, and she hates that part of it. And yet she's working in the present to get them back to England. Yeah. But it also seems like in the present she's done it because she's just done. Right. She's done with this place. I mean, if all I had to talk to was that nasty pastor, I'd be done with that place. Nasty pastor. Yeah, nasty pastor. The master. <laughs> yeah, you know him. He walks in. He His scene with Miranda is, like, fine, but it's really just to serve the purpose of telling yeah. her that Abigail Ashes. It's definitely just to convey that information. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is fine. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But also, they keep keep talking about it, but I guess we've never talked about it on the show, but it's still confusing to me exactly where Miranda and the pastor are. Like, they live in a totally normal town. No, they live inland on the island. Right. By all of the plantations. Right. Which are just, like, separate from Nassau. The pirate paradise. Yeah. I assume they're like a half an hour ride. But like, who is their governor? Um, I don't think they currently have one. So are they a British colony? Or a British island? Yeah. They are? Yeah. I'm just confused by that arrangement. I mean, they, it's true they don't thoroughly explain it. I what My assumption has always been is that it's like a bunch of sugar plantations inland who might also have worked with Richard Guthrie to ship their goods out. Oh, maybe. Um, or have worked, I don't know, with, an, with Port Royal or something like that to ship their goods out. But that they are, they're separate from the pirates. Like, they don't, they don't need the pirates to function. They, they probably have some sort of little, like, town store or, like, I don't no, know. I mean, they detest the pirates. If the pastor is anything to believe, believe. Yeah. Like, that's why I, I mean, don't... they've really got a church in their community. Right. I think they have a, a little community somewhere. But that's why I don't understand, or that's why I suddenly really questioned it, because they showed the scene of the pastor on the beach, which was to find out about Abigail Ash, I guess. But um, when I saw him on the beach, I just thought for a second, like, huh, like, he's the pastor. Mm-hmm. Do the pirates not, not like, 
prank him and stuff? Like, do they, <laughs> you know, like, prank him is the wrong word, but like, do they respect, have any respect for that man? Do they know who he is? Do I mean, they, I like, think they're all religious, so. Well, that's the thing that really we don't, they don't talk about, so we just, like, don't know. I mean, I would assume historically I mean, that they yeah. were religious, but we don't know if they were religious in the sense that, like, they like to go to church. No, but I would sort of assume that a man who's clearly a pastor, or, like, clearly a religious figure would maybe get some, some shit, but I don't think he would be, like, attacked or... I mean, he's holy. Okay, sure. You know? In a sense. In a sense. He's still the nasty. He's still nasty. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so that was Miranda. Yeah. Not Eleanor and Miranda. Yeah. But I guess that was like... Yeah, we talked about them. Okay. Um, while we're talking about Miranda, let's just talk about the flashbacks. Okay. Which we've already started doing. Yes. <laughs> um, very dramatic flashbacks. Yes. Uh, we int- were introduced to Thomas's father. Who is also nasty. He's also nasty. I wrote down Denethor vibes. Yeah. When he was eating dinner. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I couldn't unsee it. Um, uh, I mean, do, I have just, to, do I have to explain that? People know who Denethor is, right? Denethor from Lord of the Rings. Return of the King. If you haven't watched the movies, you should watch those yeah, movies. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and just like a really dramatic dinner scene that was really good, right? Yeah, he's just the worst. He's the worst, but he's also representative of society. Yes. He's like, after we have, we're introduced to three incredibly sympathetic characters. It's, you know, it's the same freaking thing with the pirates. We were, we were saying at the beginning of season two about how the show introduces us to pirates, but then very quickly makes almost every single one of them incredibly sympathetic, yeah. even Vane, who's supposed to be our bad guy. Right. Like, they're all sympathetic. We're also introduced to London High Society, and we're told a lot that, um, society sucks and they all hate society but the only stand-in we've had for that is like the bar fight yeah um the rest of it we sort of like trust and like it's an easy thing to trust because it's like a very easy concept to buy Mm -hmm. from the very beginning of the episode that like oh yeah so these guys are heroes civilization sucks and society is awful yeah um but um so this episode is like having thomas's dad what's his dad's name do we know his name alfred hamilton alfred hamilton um, walk through the door and give voice to everything that they've told us society would yeah. reject and would feel yeah. was like absolutely needed and pretty good. Yeah. Also, he is a man who's awful. He is awful. I I love Thomas's counterpoints though. Oh yeah, he's I mean just, the, the scene is very good. The dialogue and the back and forth. He's just such a loving man and such like a good christian (laughs) yeah you know like that's i just love how he's like we're literally fighting a holy war right now yeah and you can't imagine giving to the poor yeah like that's that's or forgiveness forgiveness you can't imagine forgiveness being our weapon in this war yeah yeah oh i love that and i cried a little bit when james stood up for him (laughs) (laughs) Not James literally stands up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I find yours wanting. I find yours wanting, <laughs> sir. Um, yeah, and and I think that's uh, maybe maybe that's related to what we were just already talking about about how Flint or James in the flashback seems really impressionable, mm-hmm. and this is a moment where like his worldview is um, cemented in some key way. Yeah. That he stands up and he stares like. Yeah. I do not get the impression that an earlier version of James would have done that. No, definitely um, not. And that this one is not only doing that, but he feels, he seems to me like he, he has crossed the threshold. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting that he's not like, it, his argument is about intention. And he's basically saying, he's not saying like, I support this plan. This is a solid, good plan. He's saying, Thomas is a good man with good intentions. And you are a selfish, evil man with bad intentions. So I'm standing up for a good man. Mm. You know, like, he's not he's not arguing points about the plan. He's arguing about, like, people mm-hmm. and goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's a really unsophisticated... Yeah, it's just from the gut. Yeah. It's really tempting, too, because it is, like, so... It feels so good and pure, mm-hmm. but also 
the we know after like more than one season of seeing the modern day Flint, yeah, that that worldview taken to its extreme, yeah, is not good, right? To side with people instead of ideology, or to side with to def- to defend intention and goodness in general, mm-hmm. means that you're just beholden to whatever your definition of good is at any moment, right. you know, right? Um, like you don't you you can see the jump from this is a good man and someone should defend him to. Yeah. Uh, the pirates just want freedom and everybody else should burn. Yeah. You know? Well, and I also think that Thomas and his worldview, and Miranda's too, I guess, kind of anchored him in the past. I mean, he we don't really see him coming up with a lot of ideas in the past. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of him editing or shutting down Hamilton's ideas mm-hmm. of why things won't work. We don't see him offering up a lot of thoughts. But I think in the present, he's sort of lost that tether. Mm. He doesn't have that, like, guiding light anymore, which I think brings into question his own intentions. Mm -hmm. Is he a good man? That's a good question. It's a question he asks in this episode. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I think he's not, and I think he knows he's not. Yeah. Even though he's trying to desperately hard to be one yeah um i mean we kind of skipped right over that well i mean let's go to it the yeah. scene where he asks silver if he's the villain in the story yeah oh he says it like so flippantly yeah like trying to be like i don't really care <laughs> <laughs> do you like he's like do you see me as the villain in this story and silver like totally gets what he's asking and he's like why do you give a shit yeah he's like when has that ever mattered to you yeah that is the thing that you've murdered your best friend yeah like why does that's never that's not what i signed up for right yeah and then i think he realizes like oh it's not if you actually are the villain it's if they think you are um and he says how awful it must be to be you (sighs) jesus (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's cool. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, I also like his his acting in that scene. I mean, his acting in every episode. I mean, both of them, I think, really nail that scene. Yeah, that scene. Just the face that... F- you close in on Toby Stevens' face. Yeah. And the way it falters as he's asked the question, and he shows this little vulnerability to Silver, mm-hmm. and he shows it kind of to us. Yeah. Like, I mean, we saw him 100% vulnerable right in the moments after he killed Gates. Yeah. But this was like, that was like fury, like sort of yeah. blind emotional fury in a way, and like raw, just like let it all out. Mm-hmm. This was like, I I wrote, it felt to me like the, the first moment he stopped and thought about what yeah. he's done and what he's doing since possibly the flashbacks we're watching. Yeah. Since he became Captain Flint and since he became a pirate. Mm-hmm. There was just like a moment that crossed his eyes and his face where he's like, am I the, am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Like, am I on the side of good in this story? Yeah. And it's just, um, I mean, and I think maybe we've circled the reason why that like his worldview that we saw being forged at that dinner scene with Alfred Hamilton was about defending good men yeah. when everybody else is going to ridicule and ignore them. Yeah. And that worldview evolved into this thing that he's doing now, which has been sort of leading blindly, I guess, and yeah. through emotion and passion. It's become like warped. Yeah. And he, and he falters and he considers it for a moment and then it passes. It says, don't be so sure. Yeah. Wait, wait, what does he say that? When did, uh, to what does he say Silver that? Silver says it must be awful being you, and he says, don't be so sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, if I were a, uh, a, a huge fan of Treasure Island... Yeah. And I'm coming to this show fresh, I would look at that scene and be like, that's a weakness that Flint has just identified to Silver for a second. Oh, yeah. That if Silver ever... Um, felt like he ever he wanted to mutiny or he wanted to get rid of Flint and go get the gold himself. Yeah, that this is a this is a a weakness that he could exploit. Yeah, right. It's just he's sensitive to perception. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that he's been trying to mask for a long time, and in a way that Silver is not. Ugh. <laughs> 
that Silver is just. I mean, it it, it it's it's like we've seen several scenes in the show where people turn to each other and were like, "I thought you were just as crazy as I was." Yeah. Like I thought you were <laughs> as blindly following this goal as I was, mm-hmm. and it it's kind of scaring me that you're not. Yeah. Um, that. So Flint had that moment with Gates last season, and yeah. Silver is kind of having that moment with Flint now, where he's like, I thought you were the guy who was willing to kill your best friend for this. Yeah. Because that's what I signed up for. Right. I signed up for treasure at whatever cost. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it's juicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there well, anything else but the flashbacks? Oh, what were you going to say? No. I was just going to say that it's also so interesting. Like, F- Flint, Flint uses his eloquence to sway the crew like to his cause over and over again but he's able to just like send silver to the beach and mm-hmm. be like convince them mm-hmm. and silver's like yep that's my job mm-hmm. he's just he's not persuading people like to something he believes in or feels emotionally connected to he's just like i need to get a job done which is to make flint popular again like check mm-hmm you know, it's just interesting to see how they both relate to, like, the the rabble. Mm. So you don't think there's anybody that Flint would have asked to do that previously, or you're saying... I mean, previously it would have been Gates. But would Gates have said yes to something like that? I mean, I, I guess Gates was, like, his tool of engineering the mutiny, or, yeah. or pre- preventing the mutiny in yeah. the first episode. But I think that he gave Gates a little more autonomy. Like, Gates knew what needed to happen already. He's like, obviously, we can't have a mutiny happening. Like, I've got it. Don't worry about it. I'm on top of it. But Silver, he's able to just, like, send out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's because Gates has a relationship or had a relationship with everybody on Nassau. Like, I think he'd been around for so long, everybody knew Mr. Gates. And they, you know, respected him, responded to him. He could get, he could pay people. He could get things done. He was dependable, reliable. But Silver's a sort of, like, free agent. Mm-hmm. He can talk to anybody. He can, like, zoom around wherever. Like, he's not connected to anybody except for Flint at this moment. And even that is just because of the treasure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, as you were saying that, I just remembered the only time I can remember actually anybody even knowing who Silver is is in this episode right mm-hmm. before Silver finds Billy. Yeah. The guy says, isn't he one of your guys? Yeah. And... I had like a, a split second, and I, I I can't remember the scene now. I wonder if Silver has that. If I had that second, because Silver has the second where he's like one of my guys. I'm yeah, my he guys. totally does. He's like, "What are you talking?" <laughs> yeah. about? And the guy's like, "You're a member of the Walrus. Like, yeah. we know who you are." Yeah. Um. Uh. I mean, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's the point of that scene, but it is a little jarring because you're exactly right. Like, yeah. Silver is a free agent, but like. He's he's now he's he is slowly becoming known as a member of the Walrus's crew, mm-hmm. and now that Billy's back, mm-hmm. he might even be known as a, a, a specifically a Flint apologist or Flint, you know, guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Billy is definitely an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't believe the first thing Silver doesn't do is say, "What's over there?" and then stab Billy. <laughs> like, right? I mean, because everyone's seen him. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> I know he can't just, like, stab Billy. And he's probably planning to probably planning to kill him somehow. I just don't see how Silver thinks that Billy is not an absolute 100% detriment to his plan. Yeah, well, Silver's M.O. is not really to just kill people, though. I guess not. His M.O. is to talk people out of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Billy's back. I mean, we saw Billy was back before, but now Billy's, like, back. Back in NASA. Back in NASA. Um, over the break, we watched the first episode again. We watched, or yeah. at least I watched the first episode. You may have watched more um, with your dad. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, that first episode really does set up a lot. Yeah. And it, it I feel like you have to do a lot of, we're going to have to do a lot of catch up on where Billy was and what Billy was going through in the first season. Yeah. Um, Because, again, you just think about that that very first episode when Flint hands him the the blank page and says, and doesn't say anything. Yeah. And then Billy has to lie to the rest of his crew. I don't know. I just, like, that story is really crisp for me now. And and 
like I'd forgotten that Billy was not on the show. And even though like we all knew he was going to come back because he's Billy Bones or right. whatever, like he's got a lot of unfinished business. Yeah. I and mean, he's the first thing he says is get Gates. Get Gates. Oh. And in the same episode where Flint's like, am I the villain? Yeah. Here comes one of his ghosts to haunt him. Mm-hmm. Like to say, everything ain't all like, you know, smooth and fine. <laughs> um, it's a very eloquent ghost. Yeah, yeah. He, it's not all... Nice. Nice and good. Um, uh, but I mean, like, the pl- the pace at which the plot moves, like, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. It's very good. But also, you kind of forget that just two episodes ago, the entire crew was voting on whether Flint should die now yeah. or late. Like, and now he's the captain yeah. again. And mm-hmm. he's got no mutiny problems, probably, right now. Yeah. Um, uh, so having Billy come back and, like, reintroduce that, like, extreme loss of faith in Flint. Yeah. And... Possibly not not just a loss of faith in Flint, but like a strong belief in good, yeah, and the right way to lead men and all those things. Flint doesn't know what's coming. No. Uh, although I guess we don't know if Billy's going to come out swinging in that way. He also looks very weak. He looks rough. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel like that's like the pirates covered. Okay. What does Max want? Ugh, don't we all want to know? I don't... It's so funny. The first watch through of this series, I was like, Eleanor sucks. I love Max. And now this watch through, I'm like, Eleanor's great. What a great character. And Max, I feel like every episode increasingly, I'm like, what is she doing? Yeah. Because doesn't she say in this episode that she's like sort of manipulating Anne? I mean, she says to Jack, it's now a competition between you and me yeah. for her. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? We're life partners. Yeah. And she's like, says like a flippant thing of like, well, you don't know what can happen a week in my bed. And then later she totally intimidates Jack when she's like uh, telling Adele how to seduce yeah. a person. That's a great scene. It's a great scene. It's also a terrifying scene because, yeah. like, Jack, of course, is only thinking about Anne yeah. in that scene. How could you not? And I just don't know, like, what Max's endgame is. Like, does she just want Anne to herself? And if that's true, then why is she helping Jack? Why isn't she just trying to, like, cut him out of everything? Yeah. I don't know. I don't... I don't get it. And she's playing some sort of long game where she thinks that Jack and Anne are going to give her access to more power somehow or more. Or maybe like she wants to send Jack out on the water. I guess. And have him be gone for a long time. But you have to assume that Anne would go with him. Yeah. Like she's a member of his crew now. She's not just going to stay there. I just don't know what she wants. But I feel like she she does want something. Like, she doesn't feel aimless to me like no. Eleanor sometimes of, like, she doesn't know what she wants. I feel like she does know what she wants. I just don't know what she wants. Yeah. In past episodes, you've told us that you think she loves Anne. I thought there was a glimmer. I don't think it's there right now. Mm, not in this episode. There wasn't a glimmer of love. There was a glimmer of affection. And it's the first scene where Anne and Jack really talk about it. And yeah. Anne sort of says, like... Yeah, I don't trust her. Yeah. I'm just doing what... Anne's basically like, I know she's trying to separate us, but I'm drawn to her, and I need you to have my back in that bedroom. Yeah. That was a great... It's a great scene. little dialogue, yeah. It's a great scene because for a couple episodes now, we've had this sort of back and forth between Max and Jack being like, well, I'm going to get her. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah, like Anna's been sort of just like a dog in this in these. Yeah, episodes. she's just been sort of the prize. And it's it's so nice to have her step in and be like, no, I know exactly what's going on. And why do you think you, I asked you to be in there? Yeah, and like you should know exactly what's going on here too. Yeah. I just, yeah, I really like that scene between them. Because yeah. it just sort of, it enforces that like, yes, these two have spent years together. And they deeply love each other. Yeah. 
and Anne is going, she's working through something right now, and she wants her partner to be there for her. Yeah, while she's, she's sort of like, through it. so like, yeah, I get the issue. Like, yeah. eyes up, Jack. Like, pay attention, please, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and help me. <laughs> yeah. And I also love how she's like, I've done so much shit for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not a bad thing for, for you to be doing. Yeah. And it, But then I also do love his response to it where he's like, you know, it's a lot more complicated than just like, I get to have a lot of sex. You like, obviously feelings are involved. But I don't know. They just have such a, a wonderful connection and understanding of each other. I love them. <laughs> But I don't know what Max wants. I don't know if she wants control or if she wants power or if she's trying to set them up as like, Pons is sort of a demeaning word, but if she wants to set them up as like players for the brothel that she could, you know, send out. I Like, I don't know what her end game is right now. I mean, I just have to assume that she's planning some sort of long term revenge on Eleanor. Maybe that's yeah. Maybe that's too reductive of me to say, but like, I feel like if you were to draw on a timeline, every major beat of her story, mm-hmm. the major, the last major beat was really Eleanor betraying her. Yeah, and then her being uh, captured by Vane's crew. So maybe she wants Jack to be like her first trade ship, like Eleanor's ship. I kind of think that and like she wants Anne to be her new girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Oh, geez, yeah. That might be it. Like, I don't know if she knows, but to me, the story feels like she's just trying to get, she's just trying to consolidate as much power and get as much money and make the business as profitable as possible. Yeah. I love that scene with her and Adele and Jack. She's so intimidating. I mean, she's a great actor. (laughs) She's really good. I'm yeah. only I'm only frustrated with Max because I don't know what her motivations are. I'm I'm just losing sight of what what she wants. But I think that that actress is brilliant and her costumes are incredible. Costumes in general. Incredible. I said the beautiful Oh my god, I didn't mention the flashback scenes. There's oh. some Oh my god, yeah, some of the rooms in those flashbacks this episode. Amazing. Also, just a really interesting thing to note. I love how much Hamilton takes off his wig. Why? Because it's it's such a stuffy, like, society thing to have these wigs on. And I just love that at any second he can, he's not wearing it. He's He just looks so much more natural and welcoming with his regular hair. I like how wig. good he looks in the wig. Oh, the, yeah, he I still looks the, good in I the wig. I think the wig really works for him in a way that I don't often see it work for people. In these <laughs> definitely, definitely. And I also love that. I mean, I don't think he would with his station wear a wig, but I love that James never wears one. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's high class enough, though, to wear it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Miranda's dresses are amazing. Yep. I mean, they're so beautiful. <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to ask you about. So I feel like through the series so far, we've seen Vane want to treat women well. And he's so shitty to Abigail. What do you mean? Like, she has rotten bread in her cell. And she has, like, no no bedding or anything. She's dirty. Like, I just... It doesn't quite make sense to me, his treatment of her. And why she's treated so poorly. Um, I think that's fair. I, uh, I... Like, is it to intimidate her? I, maybe. I think that there is something off... Maybe this is really a reach for me to say. Mm-hmm. But I was... What I was thinking a lot about in those scenes was if this was a different show, mm-hmm. these scenes would be worse. Yeah, that's um, true. And... and They've already established, actually, as a major point that Vane is worried about what the crew thinks of his relationship to Eleanor. Yeah. And I wonder if, maybe for story reasons, he's got to put up the appearance of mistreating Mm. the prisoner for his crew. Yeah. Like, he can't give her any 
accommodations equal to or better than theirs or food or any of that. No, that's a good point. And if this were a different show, it would be even worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that like, I mean, I I don't, I also think probably that the way he treats her is just because like it, it it is still like one of those genre shows where he's a kind of an evil pirate and he's got to, sure. And he's got to somehow mistreat her. Yeah. But I also felt consciously that he was walking a line that didn't, yeah, he's still because when he talks to her, he is—he's not respectful, but he treats her like a person. smart person. Yeah, you know, he's like straight up asks her, like, "Am I going to get this money?" Yeah, and then he's like, "Okay, cool. Here's the plan. I'm going to take you there. If we don't get it, I'm going to kill you. If we do get it, no problems." Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like very matter of fact about everything. Um, I also really like the when he asks her, "Can you write?" Why? Because I'm pretty sure that Vane's illiterate. Oh, yeah, yeah, you've said this. Yeah. And I don't know, there, there's just some, like, of course she can write. She's <laughs> Like, she's an upper-class English woman. Like, of, of course she knows how to write. And he's just like, so, um, can you write? <laughs> <laughs> also, I, we talked about this while the, we were watching the episode, but it's a bad plan what he's saying. To sail oh, yeah, into Charleston. And, or is it Charleston or Charlestown? I think it's Charleston. That could just be their accent, so I don't know. It's a bad it's a bad plan. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad plan, it's just a very basic plan that could go very wrong. Well yeah, but it's like I guess maybe it's like a very vain like plan where he's like sort of It's just very straightforward. He's like, I've got what you want, you give me what I want, we're both happy. But Vane just doesn't seem like even the kind of guy who like it's not like he seems like a brilliant military strategist, but it's like rule number one is like don't set the terms of engagement on your opponent's turf. Like just sail right into their bay and just be like, we're going to sit here and wait for you to bring us the money. Yeah. I mean, we, I think, a couple things. I think that Vane has never done anything like this before. Mm. Because like what opportunity do you have to ransom someone like that feels very dangerous and not something you would actually do that willingly yeah you know if you're sailing around you capture a merchant ship like you're not going to keep the captain and ransom him because that's it's difficult well and also if that was something they did commonly they wouldn't have nobody on board who was not able to write right that too um but so yeah i think he's never done it before um and this also feels like a backup plan right now Mm. Like he's, I think that this is his plan if the fort is bombed. Wait, doesn't, don't we know that? Didn't, when he's done with this scene, doesn't he say, you need to get this out because... He says, I need you to get this out before any shit goes down. Yeah. Like, we need to get this letter out ASAP before any kerfuffle starts here. So I think it's like, he's going to ransom her at some point. But his major focus right now is the confrontation with Flint and if the fort starts to get destroyed, he and his crew have this very lucrative second plan. Yeah. He can keep them happy by going off on this venture. He can get out of town for a while to save some face and he'll come back with a lot of money. Yeah. Tidbit time? Tidbit time. Oh, I... Horn of gold. I wrote Hornigold is crazier than Flint. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wrote that Hornigold is small minded and petty and he's responding right now emotionally, just like he told Eleanor she was responding emotionally. No, Hornigold is shit. He is the fucking worst. Yeah. I don't think it gives Flint any pleasure to partner with Hornigold, oh, no. especially the way that he orders Hornigold out of the cap- oh. uh, along with everybody <laughs> yeah. else. He says, out, or uh, leave a, I forget what he says. Yeah, it's something very polite that's just very loud. Yeah, yeah. He's like, please leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wrote beautiful captain's quarters. Yeah. That Spanish warship, man, it looks like one. Oh, also, how much Vane is, how clearly surprised Vane is by this move. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've ever seen Vane like this, where he's like, he's doing what? Well, because I think he always 
thought like Flint cares too much about Nassau to attack the fort. We do get some nice coloring from Eleanor's scene with Miranda about what the fort actually means if someone comes to invade. I just thought that was nice to get it sort of a reminder of how important the fort actually yeah, is. Yeah. Um, and I love how focused Flint is on rebuilding it and how many men they'll lose. Well, because Flint's not going to totally lose sight of what he's really doing this for. Well, but clearly he does because he says fire at the end. He just he just weighed the pros and cons and he came out on one side. He's not uncrazy. I just think that he also has not forgotten about why he's doing this. I think it's a bad choice. Hmm. Well, we'll see. I cut his head off. <laughs> oh, I did write that I sort of got like a Western shootout vibe from this episode. Like the like between Vane and Flint? Yeah. Like everyone's getting ready for the gun shootout the next morning. Yeah. The town criers yeah. in particular are... Um, they're so basic, and they're such basic literal metaphors of like the word on the street. Mm-hmm. But I was listening. I was listening to them and watching those scenes, and just thinking, like, yeah, like, what else was there to do back yeah. then? Like, <laughs> yeah. these guys are shouting in the street, and that would be the most obnoxious thing right now. But like, you know, that's the equivalent of logging on the Twitter and just hearing the yeah. bullshit. You know, yeah. just like, yeah, I I have an ability to to, to filter out the real shit from the bullshit. Yeah. And I'm going to listen to this guy just because I've got nothing else to do. Right. But in the course of listening to the bullshit, your mind will be changed about something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I li- I watch those town criers and, and they're a trope of like all these genres and uh, I have so many video games where town criers are like a thing. Um, I don't know. In this episode, I thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the scene with Anne and Jack, I love how much we see her face. Oh, yeah. And then she takes her hat off at the end. Oh, also, when Mr. Scott says, um, the only thing that's inevitable is the world changing. Is that what he says? Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's it directly, but that's the gist of what he says. Yeah. Love that. Oh, Flint should not have fired. Well, we don't know yet. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. Follow us on Twitter. Leave a review. At there be sales. And uh, I've seen enough to know to keep my distance from you. <laughs> um. Okay, that's good. I was also gonna say we're gonna be back next week. Uh, with a new episode because that's what our schedule is. It also has the value of being the right thing to do. <laughs> that's pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. I actually, that was one of my favorite lines and it kills me to have not said it earlier in the episode. Okay. Well, it's a double whammy sign off this week. Okay. Bye. See you next week. Bye.